reporters are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works. Well, hello there and welcome to Nowhere to Hide. I'm Brian Hyde and I'm so glad you could join me. We're going to be talking today about how today about how people can be bamboozled out of having a voice. It's something that's happening in Idaho right now and it has everything to do with this push for an open primary. Now, this is not something new. In fact, this is actually a familiar territory um, more than 100 years ago. This is something that uh, residents of the state were dealing with. But uh, there's a new push for it. And some of the reasons why, well, they may not be immediately apparent, but let's just say that there are people who know what's best for us. And they think that they can convince you that uh, somehow by, by giving up your voice, or at least uh, diluting your voice in a sea of, of basically, you know, apathetic voters, somehow that's a net gain for you. But look, you have a voice. You got to say something. We'll explain why that's that's not such a great idea. First of all, we got to start though with a with a quick uh, word from our dear friend Jim Jones. Oh boy, Jim is in full cry on this one. He says the extremist branch of Idaho GOP has tightened its grip on power, and of course, this has a lot to do with the uh, primary, the open primary push that Jim is so gladly backing. But I want you to see the overall lust for power that uh, represents Jim and and other you know power elite worldview folks who are pushing for this. He says, GOP chair Dorothy Moon and a group of like-minded culture warriors are working diligently to tighten their control over the entire Republican Party apparatus. Now, what he's referring to is they have changed some of their rules to make sure that activists don't find their way into the party to start gaming the system, trying to outsmart the system and basically manipulate it for their own agendas. Their avowed goal is to eliminate the independent-minded, pragmatic Republicans. That would mean the statists who are in lockstep with Jones and his Democratic counterparts. Again, Republican-Democrat isn't really so much the, the, the big distinguisher here as the fact that they are collectivist in their approach. And that's why he is, is calling them independent-minded, pragmatic. Well, you know, they're not. This is the hive-minded that are being pushed out or that are being limited in their ability to game the system, who believe the role of government, this is Jim's view, the role of government is to deal with real problems like property tax relief, improving public education, and improving civil discourse. Okay, I have to ask about this just because, Jim, have you ever ever read Bastiat's The Law? Have you ever heard of a little essay called The Proper Role of Government? by the former Secretary of, uh, of Agriculture, Ezra Taft Benson. The reason I ask is because government has a very real, and I think, I think a very important role that it should be fulfilling, but it has nothing to do with property tax relief, improving public education, and improving civil discourse. Those are ancillary issues. And in fact, if, if you need property tax relief, that's a pretty good sign that your government is too big or too top-heavy. So that's, that's a product of too much government. Real problems like property tax relief. Yeah, if government's operating in its proper role, that's not going to be a big thing. Improving public education, again, that may be something people have outsourced to government, but it is far from the one true answer for how to educate an upcoming generation. And this part about uh, improving civil discourse, how? 
Are we using the power of government? Is that what the role of government is to improve civil discourse? What exactly does he mean by that? Does that mean imposing one size fits all thinking on top of people and, and punishing wrong think wherever it's found? You got to wonder. But, but listen, he's just getting started. On July 13th, he says Brian Smith, a member of Dorothy Moon's clique, regaled Bonneville County Republicans with what he called tectonic rule changes adopted at the GOP State Central Committee meeting in June. Party functionaries, see, that's a, that's a term we usually use for mindless, heel-clicking bureaucrats, most of whom are ardent extremists, oh, really, tell us more, Jim, would be able to call out, discipline, and censure Republican elected officials who are believed to have departed from the borderline crazy GOP platform, including repealing the income tax, depriving people of the right to vote for U.S. senators, abolishing the Federal Reserve Bank, and making all abortions subject to murder charges from the moment of fertilization. Okay, let's take those on one by one here. Uh, repealing the income tax, that would be a bad thing? I don't know if you realize this. In fact, I don't know how many people know about this. Prior to 1916, or prior, I'm sorry, prior to 1913 and the 16th Amendment, there we go, there was no income tax. There was a brief income tax imposed by Abraham Lincoln during the war between the states. The Supreme Court struck it down the moment that war was ended because it was unconstitutional. And it required a constitutional amendment, which was done with the 16th Amendment, which, along with the Federal Reserve Act, was sold to the American people as, well, this is a way to uh, soak those fat cats who are getting so rich. And that was the promise. Well, you know, it's, it's never going to affect anybody but the really, really rich. So let me ask you this. Do you feel really, really rich on April 15th? And if not, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, how that tax was really intended to go. See, for the first time in American history, the average American suddenly was personally accountable to the federal government. Other than that, the, the only time people would encounter the federal government in any way, shape, or form was likely when they went to mail a letter, maybe if they were doing some traveling or something like that, or if they actually had dealings with the federal government, but it didn't interfere or intervene in anybody's life. Now, under that 16th Amendment and that direct income tax, well, everybody was personally accountable under penalty of law. And as we all know, the IRS only operates in the interest of making sure that everybody pays their fair share and could never be abused or politicized to punish political enemies, could it? I'm sorry, I'll just wait for the irony to drip off and the, the uh, sarcasm to, to subside here a little bit. It's not a blessing to have that 16th Amendment. And, and the sooner it's repealed, the better. Keep in mind, America's growth, including the taming of this continent and the move westward and the establishment of, of roads and bridges and museums and hospitals and universities took place without an income tax. People kept what they earned prior to 1913. And somehow we did very well. Since 1913, what has happened to the value of the dollar? You know, if, you, if you've studied monetary policy, you know it's lost 95 plus percent of its purchasing power. What you could buy for a dollar a hundred years ago doesn't even begin to compare to what you could buy for a dollar today. And it's still losing purchasing power because of inflation, which is directly related to that Federal Reserve System, which again was sold as a means of we're going to keep those fat cats under control. How many people realize that the Federal Reserve Act was written by the fat cats themselves, the bankers who set up a private cartel that to, could manipulate the issuance of credit, expanding credit as they see fit, and shrinking the, the issuance of credit as they see fit. Now, again, 
Not very many people know this. If you've ever read G. Ed Griffin's The Creature from Jekyll Island, you'd at least have an inkling of it. But for Jim Jones to pretend that why these guys are just borderline fringe for talking about this. Let's talk about the 17th Amendment, though, because this one plays very well as an example of, of why we should not be willing to open up the primary and just make it available to the masses. There's there's some rhetorical sleight of hand that takes place here. But when he talks about, you know, depriving people of the right to vote for a U.S. senator, what he's talking about is, is a move that took the allegiance of those U.S. senators, which up until the 17th Amendment were either appointed by or elected by state legislatures. That's how it was done. That's how the founders wrote it into the Constitution. The 17th Amendment did away with amendment did away with it, making uh, it by direct election, meaning the people now have a say. And as you're going to see, this was done in a very calculated way because what it did was it put another nail in the coffin of federalism. It actually caused the uh, it, it caused the, the the allegiance of those senators to shift from the states that they normally would be representing and accountable to, to the federal government instead. The only ones they had to keep happy were the people who, or I'm sorry, the federal government in this, in this case, uh, the, that's, that's where they, they started to, to move their allegiance instead of the states. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll share more about this in a few moments, but the bottom line is Jim is, is really upset. The things that have a lot to do with the original intent of the founders are somehow falling out of favor, or there are people who want to return, to return to that original intent. Now, he says the party also adopted a proposal to make it harder for voters to change their party affiliation so as to vote in the taxpayer-financed Republican caucus. In keeping with the party's purge of suspect categories from positions of power, party zealots decided to deprive women and young folks of a vote on the Central Committee. Now, we, we talked about this actually a few weeks ago on this program, and, and there were certain positions within that central committee that really did not need to be voting positions. In fact, they, the people who were, were occupying those positions really didn't have skin in the game and were not directly accountable, which is the main reason why those were voted to, they, they voted to make those non-voting positions. The committee adopted a vote of no confidence in Governor Brad Little and 14 GOP legislators for their failure to support legislation, allowing what Jim calls junk lawsuits against Idaho libraries for wanting to make nasty, filthy, deviant material available to minds as young as possible. We'll talk a little bit more about that in today's program as well. So their their Jim is is in full cry. He is really upset about this. My gosh, what are they trying to do here? And of course, he says the solution to almost all of these problems is the open primaries initiative, which will be circulating around the state for signature as soon as the Idaho Supreme Court decides upon proper titles for the measure. And he's he's upset that Attorney General uh, Raul Labrador put a truthful title on this, which shows that this is a this is a way to try to game the system. Jim says, stay tuned to information about how elections will be conducted under the initiative and how it will empower the people of Idaho to better govern themselves. Spoken like a true politician. This is what you want. This is in no way a matter of, you know, power seekers or opportunists trying to take power from you and convince you that this is for your own good and really you asked for this. Now, a few years ago, in fact, I think it was about 10 years ago, the state of Utah was actually undergoing kind of a similar debate. Should we do away with the caucus convention system and the primaries as a way to allow people to get on the ballot? And the, I'm, I'm going to share with you a few thoughts that I wrote at that time when I was a resident of Utah. And this is, uh, this is from an article that I wrote for St. George News back in April of 2013. 
A hundred years ago, the American people were conned into ratifying the 17th Amendment. The amendment was promoted under the guise that allowing the direct election of senators would strengthen the people's voice. That sounds just like Jim. By popular vote. Prior to this, each state legislature was responsible for selecting its federal senators. Now, direct election of senators gave the illusion that the people had greater say in their governance. But in reality, the federal government assumed greater influence over their lives as state lost, states lost essential representation at the federal level. If we were to repeal the 17th Amendment, it would not harm the states one bit. In fact, it would actually strengthen their position rather than strengthening the federal government's control because those senators would once again be accountable to the people of their states. Also, the vulnerability of the masses to the slickest political marketing is not a recent phenomenon. And this is one of the reasons why open primaries are very popular with power seekers and opportunists. It's the product of many generations of voters being progressively schooled in a manner that downplays the indispensable importance of learning how to think critically. Now, in particular, what we're talking about here is in, in a convention and, and primary system, it's not by the direct vote of the people that candidates are placed on the ballot. It's done through delegates who are selected by the people of their neighborhood to go and represent them at their convention. And you have to be a Republican if you want to participate in the Republican convention. That's that's just the price if you want to play the game. So those, those delegates are accountable. People have put their trust in them, go forth and represent us. This is their neighbors. And they go and they take it very seriously. I've been a delegate myself a number of times. I've seen the, the kind of seriousness that people attach to this. They talk to the candidates. I mean, really talk to the candidates. They vet them. And if they are not doing a good job of representing, and in this case, about 10 years ago, uh, Senator Bob Bennett was shown the door and uh, Senator Mike Lee was actually given the nomination at, uh, at the convention. And, you know, in, in Utah, that was a huge outcry by the establishment. Oh, why? The, the system's broken. Why? Look at this. It's, it's been corrupted. People, but people had weighed what uh, Senator Bob Bennett was doing and said, you know, this guy smells too much like the machinery. He's, he's operating in a way that is not accountable and it is, is not representative of the people who sent him to the Senate. And so they denied him the chance to be on the, the ballot. He was a very, very bitter individual, right? You know, to, to the time he died. And his son, Jim, has continued on with that bitterness. And I can only assume that it's, it's because it takes that power out of the hands of the elite who know if, if he had made it, if, if Bennett had made it to the, the uh, ballot. The majority of voters would likely have been swayed by the mass amounts of money and the propaganda because he could afford to hire the really good propagandists and probably would have voted it for him again without ever stopping to consider, does his track record, does his voting record actually represent the platform on which he was elected? So, so again, there's something to think about there. You're being bamboozled, and I'm going to go into some more detail on that right now. This is a quote from Robert M. Hutchins, one of the compilers of the great books of Western civilization at the University of Chicago. Back in 1953, it's been 70 years since they pulled together this collection of the greatest minds of Western history. It's the canon of Western thought, not just philosophical, but mathematical and scientific and, and all sorts of different, uh, different disciplines. In inviting people to study the classics, one of the things and one of the reasons why Robert Hutchins gave for why they had undertaken this huge, huge task of, of compiling all of these great works of, of Western was he said a prevalent notion is that the great mass of people cannot understand and cannot form an independent judgment upon any matter. 
They cannot be educated in the sense of developing their intellectual powers, but they can be bamboozled. The reiteration of slogans, the distortion of the news, the great storm of propaganda that beats upon the citizen 24 hours a day, all his life long, mean either that democracy must fall a prey to the loudest and most persistent propagandists, or that the people must save themselves by strengthening their minds so they can appraise the issues for themselves. Now look, that was in 1953. The internet did not exist. Think about the way that we're bombarded with information coming from every direction right now. And ask yourself, how many people actually take the time to sit and seriously think about and consider and weigh out and vet the issues and the candidates in front of them? You know the answer is very few people do. In fact, getting people to even participate in voting is is really kind of tough, which is one of the reasons why you have, you know, people going out there and, well, let's recruit all the kids we can. Let's get all the young people that we can because they, they know that uh, there are a lot of people who could vote who don't. They, they either have doubts in the system. Gee, I wonder why. You know, is it is it possible that uh, someone has already been monkeying with the system? Sure looks that way. But under the convention system, you have real representative government. And it's it's just, it's a little microcosm of what representative government looks like even at the state and at the federal level. But there are people who want to bamboozle you. And when we take this to an open primary and anybody can vote for any candidate, we want to implement this ranked choice voting. I'm telling you, the propagandists will make a mint on this. And the people who are in these elite positions and the establishment positions, They've got the financial backing. They've got the partner, the partnership rather, with with their crony, uh, their cronies in in corporate America. They can fund a lot of propaganda. They can sway people, not based on facts, not based on principles, which is what the delegates at these conventions have to take into consideration. Now, if that sounds elitist, I can't help you there. The bottom line is, it, it's it's a truism that uh, the people can be bamboozled very easily, and it's important. That, uh, that we don't water it down by saying, well, now that everybody has a say, you know, everybody's voice is strengthened. If those voices are not informed, it's not strengthened. It's simply just drowning the system in numbers. And that's the, the appeal, or at least that's, that's the appearance of, look, legitimacy, this many people want it. But a lot of people are voting out of ignorance. The power elite recognizes that having well-informed citizens chosen as delegates by neighbors who trust them places real accountability on every elected leader. If a particular leader is failing to adequately represent the people, other, more capable candidates can be selected by the delegates and placed on the ballot. It's really that simple. They don't want that accountability. By the way, this is uh, from the Idaho Statesman. I don't know the date. I, I wish I could find the exact date, but the Idaho Statesman talked about for greater servants and fewer clowns, we need to do away with the open primary. In the best interests of Idaho, we hope the legislature approves Senate Bill 157. That is the measure providing for pre-primary conventions of each political party in the state. At these primaries, the parties would decide upon their candidates for national and state office and would draw up their platform. They would then file candidates and platform with the Secretary of State. Meanwhile, any individual not selected by any party who chose nevertheless to present himself as a candidate would be free to do so even as he does now. This sort of pre-primary convention system is used successfully in other states. It would serve Idaho as well. As matters now stand, our state system is a primary wide open to any man who cares to declare himself and can get 200 signatures to support his candidacy. At first glance, that seems a fair enough proposition. Bitter experience, in, bitter experience they say, proves it to be otherwise. 
Yeah, that's the Idaho statesman. I know what happened. <laughs> when when did the the mind virus take them over and and uh, turn them in a completely 180 degree different direction? Check this out. This is from the Caldwell Tribune, September 18th, 1914. The repeal of the direct primary law, which they were advocating for that repeal. There is no question but that a strong effort will be put forth at the next session of the legislature to repeal the direct primary law. We have given the system a fair trial. The law has been upon the statute books six years, and in that time, the people have had all the experience they want. Nearly every newspaper in the state has expressed its disgust with the system. As pointed out in the last issue of the Tribune, the arguments used against the direct primary are failure to produce better results than the old convention system. Interesting. And apathy and indifference of the people, excessive cost to the taxpayers. These arguments, if true, are vital. It seems to the Tribune that they are, that they are true. No one will deny the cost nor the indifference of the people. The cost of the election can easily be ascertained. The vote casts shows the people are indifferent. Again, you know, you don't hear this from the corporate media now. They're too busy trying to bamboozle you into thinking that oh, this is you know, this is what has to happen. But now at least you have a better understanding of why that convention system and the primary, especially a closed primary, is a far wiser way to choose leaders who are good, wise, and honest. Something which is a lot harder to do when you're just basically, you know, running people out there in front of the crowd for a popularity contest and then showering them with propaganda and with promises of favors and uh, attaboys, you know, so it favors whoever has the most money or the most skilled propagandists. It's the principle that's at stake here. Speaking of principles at stake, oh boy, there's something brewing with our libraries. And the Idaho statesman says, why, look, it's the far right version of cancel culture, which they so often deride when the other side does it. What are they talking about? Well, they're talking about a push to uh, withdraw association with the American Library Association because it is headed up by an avowed communist lesbian or Marxist lesbian. Anyway, uh, Kevin Reichert actually did, I think, a pretty fair write-up for IdahoEdNews.org. Let's look at a couple of excerpts from his article. Kevin writes, legislative hardliners with the Idaho Commission for Libraries or want the Idaho Commission for Libraries and the state school and public libraries to sever ties with the American Library Association. The Idaho Freedom Caucus push, uh, push stems from a since-deleted tweet from Emily Drabinsky, a Boise High School graduate elected ALA president in April 22. At the time, Drabinsky described herself as a Marxist lesbian. Okay, has she recanted somewhere, Kevin? I mean, has she has she since changed her mind? I mean, that would be helpful. But is, you know, this is to cast out. Well, you know, she said that at the time. She's probably just drunk or something. No, I don't know. But that's that's a very curious thing to be celebrating when you're just elected, you know, president of the American Library Association. Kind of makes you wonder if if is there an agenda at foot here? I guess we see. Her election raises issues about libraries' involvement in exposing children to explicit materials and injecting hard-left politics and sexuality into publicly funded libraries, the caucus of 13 lawmakers said in a statement on Monday. The ALA has provided LGBT resources and pressured libraries to include explicit materials on transgenderism and sexual deviance targeting young children. This dissemination of explicit material with a far-left agenda has reached libraries throughout Utah. Now, this brings about some pretty amazing gaslighting on the part of people like Jim Jones and, and also newspapers like the Idaho Statesman. Why, you guys are tilting at windmills. There's no such thing. It's not happening. It's not happening. Have you talked to your neighbors? Have you gone to your public library and, and seen for yourself what's going on? 
it's very clear these books are finding their way into the libraries and they very specifically are aimed at children. Now, if, if you, for some reason, believe, well, that, why would that be a problem? Maybe you need to take a little bit closer look. If, if you're not feeling a bit sick to your stomach about the thought of, wow, kids are, are being exposed to this, you're not paying attention. And if you're okay with it, maybe maybe we should uh, you know check your hard drive and see if, if there's anything going on there that uh, that uh, you wouldn't want uh, you know the authorities knowing about well Idaho Commission for Library staff can join the American Library Association Association individually the commission does not have an organizational membership and receives no money from the National Association that's according to state librarian Stephanie Bailey White information provided from ALA communication channels along with other sources of information available in the free marketplace of ideas is vetted through our ability to think critically and apply that information through an Idaho-based lens Bailey White said that's a beautiful word salad but uh, does it really reflect that uh, we're we're you know listening to our communities and maintaining standards of what is appropriate and what isn't because I don't see anything addressing those concerns and that's really the basis for why people are saying we don't want these books available in our public libraries especially to children somebody wants to buy the book good knock yourself out i'm sure you can find it online but as far as making it publicly available with taxpayer money uh no that's where we draw the line now while drabinsky's election dates back more than a year the backlash over her marxist lesbian tweet has resurfaced in recent days and why wouldn't it there's a lot of leftist material that is finding its way not just into the libraries but into the classrooms it seems like the mask is coming off, but people are very reluctant to, to admit this. You're chasing Marxist ghosts, oh, you know. Try again. We know darn well what we're seeing. And by speaking up against it, I guess that's, that's considered quite threatening to the people who want to push that particular agenda. Now, the Montana State Library Commission voted on Tuesday with, to withdraw from ALA. Two days later, the Idaho Freedom Foundation, a libertarian-leaning think tank, publicly urged Idaho political leaders to follow suit. So this is from uh, the IdahoDispatch.com. This is a press release. Idaho must cut ties with the Idaho Library or the American Library Association. I'll give you just a couple of quick excerpts here, but it, it covers much of the same stuff here. The Idaho Freedom Caucus calls upon the Idaho Commission for Libraries to end its membership and cut all ties with the Marxist-led American Library Association. We call on local school and local public rather and school libraries to do the same. We have significant concerns about the election of Emily Drabinsky, a self-described Marxist lesbian, as the next president of the ALA. Her election raises issues about the library's involvement in exposing children to explicit materials and injecting hard-left politics and sexuality into publicly funded libraries. With her election, have concerns about libraries' adherence to uh, educational purpose and the responsible use of taxpayer funds. That's a big one. You want to buy that book for your kid? You go ahead, you pervert. Don't do it with taxpayer money. Drabinsky has said in interviews that librarians aren't focused on assisting minors in accessing pornography, but her writings and her, her public presentations reveal she has dedicated her professional career to precisely that while using taxpayer resources. Drabinsky proposed using queer theory to guide the way books are cataloged in libraries. Her expertise in queer theory aligns with the Marxist's objective, seeking to undermine the West by eradicating the traditional family, natural sexual relationships, distinction between the sexes, and the orderly structures that accompany them. See, this is the part where, where people who are paying attention are starting to sit up and say, this is why we can't support this. 
The ALA has provided LGBT resources and pressured libraries to include explicit materials on transgenderism and sexual deviance targeting young children. They defend the presence of sexually explicit books in school and public libraries, including titles like Gender Queer and All Boys Aren't Blue. Some of these books are available in the Idaho Commission for Libraries IDEA database and public school libraries. This dissemination of explicit material with a far-left agenda has reached libraries throughout Idaho. Now, the, the books are explicit catechetical schools for, or tools rather, for teaching gender ideology, a sectarian, psychologically manipulative, and destructive poison for innocent children. ALA's role in corrupting libraries and exposing children to a pernicious ideology can no longer be ignored. We have a duty to uphold the ideals of liberty embedded in our Idaho Constitution and to protect children. For these reasons, we urge the Idaho Commission for Libraries and all public and school libraries to withdraw from the ALA immediately. I know, what a fringe thing to say. Why they just want to ban books? No. What they want to do is protect kids from predatory people. And why do they want to protect them from predatory people? Because there are people who feel like it is their prerogative to impose these values on the kids. They understand teaching adults or persuading adults to give up the principles that have guided their life and guided their sense of right and wrong can be tough because we've had some time and we've had some experience to see what works and what doesn't. With young minds, however, it's a lot easier to manipulate them into accepting what they term <clears throat> correct attitudes in the name of you know social justice, in the name of equity in the name of diversity. So yeah, there's there's definitely an agenda that is a, at play here. And when it's being called out, you can tell exactly how close people are getting to the truth by how vehement and how angry its proponents are at the idea that someone would stand up to them and say, not just no, but hell no, not for my kid. I'm Brian Hyde, and this is Nowhere to Hide. All reporters are biased, the Idaho Press Club are biased, all media, newspaper, radio. To be completely blunt here, Brian, and there are plans to expand indoctrination. That's right. Well, Idahoans are also concerned. Horror shot. That line would be moving a little bit farther west. I'm like crying. Nobody wants to Dark see. Dark money is influencing policy in our state. Well, that's not how this works.